0: You are listening to Ideas and Leaders Podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the next episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today I'm speaking with Deborah Crow. She's leadership and life coach. She's a speaker, author, and she's a podcast host. And today we're going to speak about her new book, The Heart-Centered Leadership Playbook. Hi, Deb. It's great to have you on Ideas and Leaders.
1: Hi, it's so good to see you. and, And thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. We're having this podcast exchange because I was speaking at your podcast and you're speaking at mine. And it is a real pleasure to have you because on Ideas and Leaders, we are speaking all things leadership. And you decided to write the the book about heart-centered leadership. So can you tell us a little bit more about this concept? How did you come up with it? And why did you decide to write about it?
1: So I have been a heart-centered leader since I was a young girl. And when I started my company at 24, I always knew I was going to write a book, but I wanted to wait till it felt like it was the right time. And I decided last year when I started this journey of, of writing a book that it was time. I felt like my experience and my mind and my heart were aligned and I felt that I had enough kind of life and leadership experience. And I wanted to put something different out there in terms of a leadership book. I didn't want it to be all academic research and case studies. And I decided to incorporate my own kind of memoir, if you will, which is my own life and leadership experience to show how I landed in being a heart-centered leader and have continued to since I started my company 33 years ago.
0: Yeah, so it is It is always great to have a story behind the concept. So, so what is the difference between heart-centered leadership and uh, the the leadership that we know from the academic books?
1: Well, I think there's many different types of leadership. I think heart-centered leadership should be the prerequisite and the foundation and the start. And the reason i say that is because i teach at our local college here in my city and they asked me to do just that where does leadership start so it starts by becoming a heart-centered leader and when you're heart-centered elena then you can be an inclusive leader when you're an inclusive leader then you can be a mindful leader and once you've mastered being mindful, then you get into that upper echelon of leadership, which is assertive leadership and then transformational. And, and the circle moment for me is I've met and had so many high-end C-suite leaders take my, my leadership series at the local college. And they've said, we didn't learn how to be heart-centered. We didn't learn this because it's it's always been on the outer periphery of business acumen. And I think it should be in the center and the forefront, which is why I, I designed the curriculum to be exactly that and have it be the prerequisite. And it's given a lot of introspective moments for leaders, if you will.
0: Now, How, how we can learn, what are some of the elements of the heart-centered leadership and then how we can start learning it?
1: So heart-centered leadership, by my definition, is honoring our connection with people. So just like you and I are doing right now, we're human to human, there's no reciprocity, we're doing this to have a conversation, which is meaningful and aligned. And some of the heart centered qualities that I talk about and what I have in my poster, and I also have it as a resource in my book is to be an attentive listener not worrying about anything we did this morning, really being anchored to the present moment, not worrying or thinking about what we're doing later on in the day. Because when you're in front of someone and you're talking and they know you're not listening, they pick up on that nonverbal cue, that energy. And it's a missed opportunity for so many things for people. And I see this every day in leadership being a lifelong learner, being an avid reader, the list goes on and on. But the biggest and I think the most foundational part about being a heart centered leader is knowing who you are, and always utilizing and tapping into your own self awareness.
0: Yeah. Uh, About this listening, I think that actually, podcasting is teaching a lot about listening. And you probably will agree with me as a podcaster. Because when you are having an interview with someone and you you're speaking with someone you have to pay 100% attention and you cannot do anything else because you you're just there for this person and i think that we tend not to do it very often in the business environment and we we have a lot of those you know emails and messages and people going around and Sometimes it is really hard to focus on this person. So do you have any any recommendation on that how we can actually start doing this?
1: I I have people get rid of anything external in in the periphery of of what they're doing. So for you and I on Zoom right now, my desk is clean, I don't have any electronics. I set myself up for success so that I can be fully attentive to you and nothing's going to beep or buzz or interfere with our conversation. And I find we have the best sustained attention when we set ourselves up for success. And again, I'm here with you in this moment. There's nothing else I'm thinking about or worrying about, or I'm just right here and, and being in the present. It sounds so easy and so full of common sense, and it's the hardest thing for people to practice.
0: Yeah, so what about business environment? So for us, maybe now uh, our listeners will say, oh, it's easy to say they are sitting in their studios and and recording, so maybe they can be in the present. But for example, if you are a business leader and you are thinking about your KPIs and your goals and, and several different projects that you're involved into and at the same time you have... 100 new emails in your inbox. So how we can practice this in the the real business life?
1: So people have to be attentive, and they have to have what I call white space in their calendar. We, we are not meant to be human doings all day. We're human beings who need to take frequent breaks. We need to have shorter meetings, which we noticed through COVID. Meeting bloat, if you will, it has to get less, you have to be attentive to how long do you need to speak? I've had companies go from 60 minute meetings to 45, 45 to 30, 30 to 15. Anything less than 15 has become one of two things. It's become an email or a lot of large organizations that I work with globally, they've integrated Slack And sometimes it's a Slack message with the understanding. So if I'm sending you a Slack message saying, Elena, I need this by the end of the day. So you know that it's not a rush, it's not a priority, but you'll make a a note somewhere that you need to get back to me by the end of the day. So I'm seeing that people are being more present. They're being more organized. And when we're more organized, we're not procrastinating, and we're not multitasking. Because when we're doing five things at once, we're not giving any one of those tasks 100% of our time or focus.
0: Yeah. And also, you mentioned that we need to start with who we are, this self-leadership aspect. And we're interested about this, how we should start thinking about this, if we're not familiar with this concept, and we did not do it before. What What are some of the elements of maybe some questions that we should ask ourselves in order to get there?
1: So I have a whole chapter dedicated uh, in my book to this, and I call it Managing the Inner Leader. So how do we open the gateway of self-awareness by modeling it in our life and in our leadership? So for example, allowing space for vulnerability, authenticity, and truth. When you're not feeling well, stay home. Model that for your team so that they don't have to have guilt, shame, or remorse. If they're working on something important or a project and they're very, very sick, they have a self awareness and a professional relationship to say, I'm not feeling well today. I need to stay home. And then a heart centered leader should respond and say, Thank you for not coming into the office and getting the rest of us sick. We will rally together as a team. We have your back. So that self-care models the self-love, which is the gateway to open up self-awareness and not being afraid to be authentic in who we are at the jeopardy of our job or what I call our titling, because that's the extrinsic piece in our life. It's not who we are as people. And if we can lose that extrinsic value, Elena, and bring the intrinsic, you talked about metrics and KPIs. I like to invert that fraction. If you look after the people before the profits, the profits will always be there. And that's what I call effective corporate wellness.
0: Yeah. So I really like everything what you're saying. So people over profits and We need to to practice this self-care and start with self-leadership before leading others, focusing on people. I think that many business leaders, they are also kind of stuck in this old paradigm that a leader, a manager needs to be, you know, professional and serious and kind of smarter than others know things better and it is sometimes even hard to show vulnerability in the workplace um so so how would you address those doubts of of those managers listening to us
1: i i have a great story actually um so i manage a coach a ceo of a large financial company. And he has such a healthy, vibrant culture. People come to work there and they never leave because this is his motto. He says, if something happens in your life, whether it be the unfortunate circumstance of an accident or an injury or a tragedy or a loss, any of the things that we have all experienced, take the time to leave your job, to do what you need to do, we have your back. We'll rally together. Everything will be covered. So you won't come back to an inundation of being away. And, and we wish you all the best. So he hired a new CFO and this gentleman was to start on a Monday. And this just recently happened. And he called the CEO on his cell phone on a Sunday afternoon. And the CEO was very surprised he was calling, but he thought something must be up for him to call me. And his voice was shaking. And he said to the CEO, I cannot start my job tomorrow as your CFO because my father-in-law passed away. And the CEO just listened. And he said, we just had a new baby and my wife cannot fly to Poland. I need to fly to Poland to bring my father-in-law back to Canada. I'm very upset. Am I going to lose my job? And the CEO said, my sincere condolences to you and your family. We will rally around you and do what needs to be done. And we look forward to you joining our work family upon your return, period. What a world it would be if everyone led like that. And he, and he joked with me a few weeks later. And he said, that gentleman's wife said, you're never leaving this company because she <laughs> thought he was going to get fired. And, but isn't that an eloquent, heart-centered, attentive listening response? Could you imagine the weight that was lifted off that CFO's shoulders in such a, a difficult time trying to enjoy his new baby and then having a loss of the grandparent and, I, I was just smiling ear to ear when I heard the CEO tell me how he handled this. So I hear what you're saying and I agree with you. It's not the norm. And I'm hoping in my lifetime to have a ripple effect to make this be the normalized behavior because it does have a place in business acumen.
0: Yes, absolutely. And as you were telling this story, I... It just reminded me of of a story that I heard from my friend a couple of days ago that she was working in in the toxic environment and they did not like that she had to uh, take care of her kids sometimes and uh, leave earlier. And then she changed jobs and on the first day of her work, her child got sick. And she was sitting at her desk and uh, writing messages and being very stressed. And her boss told her, what are you doing here? If your child is sick, just go home. And she, she didn't expect this, you know, because this is, I think this is the clue of this story that sometimes people after, you know, experiencing this, toxic corporate environment. They don't expect this. And such uh, behavior is something uh, surprising for, for people. And as you say, it should be normal. And I totally agree with you. I think that it should be normal. Uh, so do you see that uh, this heart-centered leadership is will become the 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 future of leadership everywhere and what do you think should should happen and you know let's have a big Mm -hmm. vision in order for our corporate leaders to
1: start leading with their heart i don't think it's becoming i think it's here i think there's many amazing heart-centered leaders around the globe um to name a few um reed hastings at netflix is heart-centered look at the culture look at all the different things he's done within his leadership. Mike Sievert at T-Mobile, he's a phenomenal heart-centered leader. I, I've done some work with them. I even wrote about him in my book. And they don't get caught up in who they are with the titling. Because I talk about this in my book, Elena, Our work always shows up in our life, but our life shows up in our work. We're the same person. I think people get caught up in the titling and the role and the responsibility. I'm still the entrepreneur woman. I'm the mother, the wife, all all the different hats that we wear. Have the courage to kind of bridge that gap when things go awry. Because, you know, I mean, you're a communication expert. When we communicate the good, the bad, and the indifferent, what's going to happen? A meaningful, open conversation. And I'd rather be told a snapshot of what's going on so that I can help that person, than have no communication or be ghosted and then be second guessing, okay, where are we going from here with this? A good communication strategy, open dialogue, it solves all kinds of problems. And sometimes it precedes a problem even arising because the strategy can be developed from that good conversation.
0: Yes, absolutely. Good conversation is always the key to sol- solving all sorts of problems out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, your book, the Heart-Centered Leadership Playbook. Who is it for? Who should read this book? Uh, why? Why would you recommend it to to our listeners?
1: So, I wrote it for everyone because I want everyone to know and think and feel that they're a leader. You do not need initials after your name to be a leader. You do not need initials after your name to be kind. And I think we all have the passion and the birthright, quite frankly, to be heart-centered. We like to be treated nicely in all aspects of our life. So why wouldn't you want to step in and say, I am a heart-centered leader. So I wrote this book for people who aspire to think they want to be a leader, don't realize they're a leader, right up to people that are leading and want to climb that leadership success. And it's also for the seasoned leaders, because there's enough wisdom and little nuggets throughout this book, that it's talking and and really being embraced by a wide audience from all walks of life.
0: So I definitely recommend to our listeners to, to uh, get this book. we will put the, the link to the book in the in the show notes and uh, Deb so to, to sum up our conversation, what would you recommend to our listeners to start doing or stop doing if they want to to lead with their heart, if they want to
1: create this positive change in in the workplace? I think the first thing um, and probably the only strategy I'm going to give your listeners is to stop leading your your life and living your life with obligation. Ask yourself, am I doing this or am I leading this way because I want to, I get to, I choose to, not because I should, I have to, I must. When we live and lead in a self-directed way, it's a beautiful space to be.
0: Yes, it is really deep. And uh, I think that we should all start ask uh, ourselves this question. Is it an obligation or is it my passion? And is it something that I really want to do that I have to do? Absolutely. Yes, thank you so much for that. I started... Thinking about my life immediately. (laughs) You're a very good coach (laughs) with asking questions. So, Deb, if uh, our listeners want to reach out to ask you more questions, where can they
1: find you? So, everything, all my resources are on my website. So, it's Deb Crow and Crow has an E on the end.com.
0: Perfect. So, everything will be in in the show notes uh, the book and links to, to contacting you. Thank you so much for for being on Ideas and Leaders. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And uh, always when I talk to you, I'm filled with this positive energy. So I'm sure that our listeners are, are very positive after this episode as well. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag
1: ideasandleaders. See you in the next episode.